Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Previewing Championship Sunday, four teams, two games. The winners will meet in Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. Ravens and Niners are the favorites, but uh, can the upstart Lions pull the uh, the upset and, and, and take that franchise to the Super Bowl for the first time ever? And obviously, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have the opportunity to get back there again. Sort of pretty much residency now. The AFC Championship game is residency for... Patrick Mahomes, since he started, became the starter in Kansas City. Super Bowl hadn't been too far off. <laughs> he kind of lives no. there. <laughs> kind of lives there. Yeah. Become, um, it's become, at this point, routine. But, I don't know, this year I think Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, just have a superior team. Feels like their year. Yeah. Uh, it really does. And the, Better they, defense. They, Lamar Jackson isn't better. He's, he's not a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes, but he's playing like a better quarterback this year, this season, because he's going to end up winning MVP. Um, even offensively, for the first time ever, I think the Ravens actually have a better complement of weapons <laughs> around their quarterback than the Chiefs have, too. Chiefs have – do they have the, the head coach advantage? I don't know. Usually they do. Usually not, they do. not in this one they do. I mean, well, John Harbaugh is a hell of a coach. Well, it was a good debate when it was Belichick Brady. And they're Brady. playing on the road. Yeah, when it was Belichick Brady and Reed versus Mahomes. And, yeah. you know, those games were typically at Kansas City. This one's in Baltimore. Could be raining. Keep that in mind. And by the way, we're talking about uh, NFL honors and the uh, the awards. You know, rightfully, John Harbaugh is, is one of the five finalists for Coach of the Year uh, and should be, along with D'Amico Ryans and Dan Campbell, Kyle Shanahan, and Kevin Stefanski. Remember, you had to vote one through five. The voters, the AP, had to vote one to five on a ballot. Hmm. I mean, John Harbaugh, you know, navigating the Lamar Jackson situation, hiring the right offensive coordinator, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, how about hiring Mike McDonald to be the defensive coordinator? He's really good. Uh, he's he's done a good job this year. And he's, um, I'm honestly, guys, the truth is, nobody was talking about John Harbaugh saved his brothers, but he gave him Mike McDonald, guys. Remember, he gave him Mike McDonald as a DC, and then took him back, and then gave him Jesse Minter. Yeah. If not for that, honestly, guys, Jim Harbaugh might not win a national title at Michigan. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, right. Because he saved the defense. The defense was hey, struggling. Bro, bro, can you can you can you help me out here, can man? Can I borrow a really good defensive <laughs> coordinator? Because I'm getting my butt kicked. You got a good defensive mind down there. It's like, yeah, I got a guy. I can't I stop this guy. Ohio State thing. I just have him for a while. You got him. I need him back though, because he's pretty good. You can rent him. <laughs> you can have him for a minute. <laughs> I'll send you another one. Uh, don't reason. forget that, man. Well, and that's having a brother in the league helps in in that regard. Now, John Jim Harbaugh's back into the league. And by the way, Jim Harbaugh did make a trip to Ann Arbor today to say goodbye to his team on his way to Baltimore to root on his brother in the championship game and then back to L.A. where he's going to be the head coach now. He did meet the media and did deny any wrongdoing with the NCAA. He said he wasn't running from mm-hmm. violations or anything like that with the NCAA. He just felt like it was time. And, look, that we'll find out if the NCAA come in, comes in and hammers. Now, the fact that, according to reports, his, his agent was working to get him a contract at Michigan that gave him full immunity 
and you know an unfireable for cause if indeed he does get hammered by the NCAA or the university does would tell you that maybe they were at least a little bit concerned about it mm-hmm. uh, if he came back. But obviously, this I mean for for Jim Harbaugh at sixty, if he was gonna go back to the NFL, now is the time. Right now is the time. You're sixty years old. Yeah, you just won the championship. You know. This is a good opportunity to go to a place you know, you played there, you know the owners, and he's 60, right? I mean, at some point, you're just going to stick in college for the rest of of this thing. It's time to make that. You make that decision now because your next job is going to be your last or one of of your last jobs. Or your next contract, whatever it is. If things go well in L.A., you you plan to be there a while because you have a quarterback who's, what, 24 years, 26 years old. Who's yeah, ready you shouldn't to, be drafting another quarterback there. No. <laughs> uh, developing him. And as you said, the happiest person in this whole cycle might be Justin Herbert to have a winner and a you know quarterback developer and mentor like, like Jim Harbaugh coming in to uh, take you to a higher level, which is what he does. That's what Jim Harbaugh yeah, does absolutely. with players. And it's what John Harbaugh does, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, John Harbaugh has been as consistent as it gets and kind of has coached in the shadow of Andy Reid and, the, and Bill Belichick in that AFC. But, you know, he has a Super Bowl. This is a chance to go back and get another one which would uh, you know, give him as many as Andy Reid has. And, yep. um, you know, I, I just keep going. You have an MVP at quarterback with a dynamic offense that scores, um, you know, ridiculous amount of points, over 28 points a game. But your defense allows the fewest. And they've horsed the most sacks. And they forced the most turnovers of any team in the league. That's why I said, because I said, you know, this is the worst offense of the Patrick Mahomes era, and it is. But somebody texted in and says, well, that's a pretty high bar. It is. I mean, I'm not saying the offense oh, in Kansas City yeah. is bad. No. It's, it's never nice. going to be bad with Patrick. Well, it's just not as dynamic as when they had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Um, gosh, even last year, this offense has been erratic. Uh, I do think the emergence of Isaiah Pacheco has been big for them. That is big. Uh, if they can have a run threat. But no one runs on the Ravens. No one really runs on that team. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to make plays consistently anywhere versus the Ravens. Well, think defense. about it. We know the, the best running team. Sean McVay did a really good job. That was throwing the football. They were well, throwing. When it. I say no one runs on that team, I mean I didn't expect the Texans to go in there be able to run the ball much, but they had been running the ball better with Devin Singletary. They ran for thirty-two yards. Why? Why do you think uh, the Lions went in there and scored six points? Because they didn't run the ball, mm-hmm. and everything fell on Jarrell. I mean that game was twenty-eight to nothing before you could blink against Detroit because Detroit couldn't move the ball. I, I believe in when the, when the Lions, who are now playing to go to the Super Bowl, went to Baltimore during the regular season, they had four touchdowns before the uh, Lions had a first down. It was 28-0. Yeah. Skunk. And that's a pretty damn good team. And what are they built on? Running the ball to let Jared Goff run off play action. That's a damn good team. Because no team in the league, you know, no quarterback in the league is under center more than Jared Goff. He, he lives on play action. they got to be able to run the football. Uh, he's really good when he's on rhythm and they're they're able to uh, to run it, but they couldn't run it. And you know who else couldn't run it? The Niners. Yeah. No. Another thing, really, the Mike Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins. I mean, couldn't any of those it. Mick Shanahan coaches that that we've talked about, and they all those systems are built on the outside zone, right? Yeah. The, the, the Shanahan zone blocking running scheme. You 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 get that established, and then you can build all the play action stacking on the run game concepts, but when you shut down the running game, which Mike McDonald's been able to do a lot of the times, and then they get these big leads, and not only can you neutralize the running game with his scheme, but then you have to abandon it when they get these big leads. That's right. Right? Because they, their first half, you look at first half point differential, uh, I believe the Ravens are top in the league. They're number one in first half point differential. So they're blowing teams out. You've got to abandon the run. They stop the run. And then you've got to throw against a team that leads the NFL in sacks and takeaways. Only, <laughs> only team I've seen run the ball on them was that game that got to overtime with the Rams. Kyron Williams ran for 114 yards in that game. Rams did everything on them. Yeah, Rams. The Rams, that was, that was the last time that Mike McDonald, Mike McDonald had a – 
are really an offense be able to get the best of him. I yeah, think. they scored 31 points. It was yeah. a, that was a heck of a game. I can't yeah. I'd go back and watch that. But the Miami Dolphins, remember when they played the Dolphins on uh, New Year's Eve, and the Dolphins, uh, it was what they had scored – the final score is fifty six to nineteen. 19. Both the nineteen both well, both the forty ers and the Dolphins scored nineteen points. Detroit only got six. Yeah. Uh, Texans haven't scored a touchdown. And Devon A. Chain, <laughs> the Aggie, went in there and he had a big run early that got them a touchdown on the board. He he broke one with his speed, but from then on they shut it down. Couldn't do anything. Yeah. Couldn't do anything. So, yeah. This means uh, they made one adjustment. They were like, all right, let's make the adjustment. We got that. Yeah, and they, they, couldn't go, they couldn't get anything else after that. He's I mean, just – that's why, you know, it's going to be interesting because you talked about this Spagnola. I believe that – and you, you let me know if I'm wrong about the stat – the Chiefs lead the NFL in second-half scoring defense. Yeah, points allowed in the second half yeah. all year long. Yeah. So, the, this is going to be really good between Mike McDonald and Steve Spagnola. Both of them are great at making adjustments. Yeah, it's great. No, it's, uh, it, it's really no good. one's sitting here saying that the Chiefs can't win the game. I would never say a game quarterback by Patrick Mahomes, coached by Andy Reid and Steve Spagnola, don't have a chance. Uh, they have a great chance. This could be a really good game. Same time, I just think the Ravens, you've got to pick, pick a team. I think they win the game. I just have seen them play. I mean, Detroit's a really good team. We know that. San Francisco's a really good team. And they, they didn't just get beat by this team in that building. They got skunked. Yeah. And I do think, having watched the Texans play there last Saturday and all the offsides, it is a loud place. I mean, they, that place, and I heard and talked to several folks who were at that game or on the sidelines said, man, it's as loud as any stadium I've been in. The, the crowd noise will be a factor in a championship scenario. They don't lose a lot in that building. Yeah. And uh, I think that's also something that can be against the Chiefs, who this year, I mean, how many – their right tackle, the kid 74, he's got more penalties called on him than any player in the league and kind of a record-breaking year for penalties for him. Jawan Taylor, mm-hmm. that could be a problem. I mean, the Texans kept jumping off sides. They couldn't hear. This guy lines up off sides half the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right about that. I, I'm with you. I, I mean, I, I've said I'm not picking against Lamar Jackson for the rest of the postseason. So, I basically got him winning the Super Bowl until uh, there's an upset of some sort because I think they'll be favored also <laughs> in yeah. the rest of their games. But this is the thing. Football is about matchups, right? We talk about this all the time. We talked about this in the Sugar Bowl, the Longhorns, Washington yeah. and Texas, right? We said, man – it's just I told you from giving the get go. I said it's just a bad matchup for Texas. Texas is a on paper. Texas was a better team overall, but the game ain't played on paper, right? Game's played on the field, and on the field it's about matchups. And Washington was just a bad matchup for Texas. Their strength, their sophisticated passing game, being the best passing offense argument in college football against Texas' biggest weakness on defense was their pass defense. It's just a bad matchup, uh, and you see that at the NFL level play out as well. I don't know if. For for Lamar, basically Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense is a bad matchup for every defense in the league. That's the problem. Like no defense really matches up well with them. Like they don't have it. There's no defense that can match up well with that. You would have thought, oh man, maybe it's San Fran. They got really good linebackers. They got line play, but their secondary is vulnerable. So what the Ravens do? I right, wish I keep the play alive. Because the because the 49ers depend on their pass rush getting home, so you won't have time to expose their secondary. Well, just buy yourself a little bit of time, which they did. Ball some time, and then boom, they were to hit some plays over the top on that 49er defense. So if the 49ers don't match up defensively well with you, I'm not sure who does. Like, I don't know if there's a defense that matches up well with them. Like they, that's why, because they're so malleable. They can go power running game, or they can decide, nah, I'm going to spread you out, go RPO, um, pace in space, spread offenses. They can do whatever they need to do to win the game. Yeah, and I don't I, against this Spagnolo uh, defense. They're very good in coverage, right? They, they, they are invested very in their secondary. They might be the one to match up with. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Um, but at the same time, they can go power run, and you know, 
because they can go power run right out of passing sets. You talk about this with Sark all the time, you know, because they can put that big Ricard on the field and uh, you know, but still put three receivers. They can they can power you that way yep. where you've got light light boxes and light light personnel and. You know, Lamar Jackson's still a problem, and they still have uh, a good run, good running backs. I mean, it's a, it's why in their last seven games they're seven and zero straight up, and they're that Lamar Jackson has started. They're seven and zero, and they're six and one against the spread. This is why they're the, the betting favorite, and I think they're going to win that game. Uh, I, I'm I'm actually more I don't know I mean I, nothing's going to surprise me with Patrick Mahomes. I just think the Ravens will win that game. I'm I'm really. Uh, intrigued by the late game in, in San Francisco because the weather's going to be good, but you've, you've pointed out the, the Detroit Lions are a, a, a dome team, just, and then they played a yeah. bunch of dome road games this year yeah. just by coincidence, and they're a different team outside, and they don't have their home crowd with them uh, like they've had. I mean, those that were frenzied home environments the last two weeks in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Do they, can they play as fast on that grass field against a really good team and a really good defense? Um, same time, you know, the Niners have issues, and I think the the, uh, the Packers were able to exploit them last week and really outplay them, uh, and weren't able to finish it. But they really <laughs> outplayed that team. Uh, so I'm, this this one this one is, intrigues me, where I, I don't really have a solid because okay, I because if Debo Samuel is at all questionable or can't play, all of a sudden this, the Lions are are head up right with them. Yeah, um, I think it's a toss. I think it's a, a coin flip, pretty much a toss up. If Debo doesn't play, if Debo plays, 49ers are going to win. In Agreed. My um, 49ers record. I mean, you go look at. I gave this number earlier. It is just mind blowing too. Without Debo Samuel, because Debo matters a lot in this offense. Uh, it's been meticulously built and constructed uh, this, this uh, monster of multiplicity for 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 Shano and Debo might be the most important piece. Even though Christian McCaffrey uh, right now gets the most recognizable and gets the most uh, headlines, the most important piece might be Debo. The 49ers 12-1 and straight up, 10-3 and against the spread when Debo Samuel starts and finishes a game. And that's key because sometimes he'll start a game and won't finish, and then the 49ers, they look a little bit different uh, throughout that game. They're 1-4 straight up when he doesn't finish a game, uh, and they're 0-5 against the spread when he doesn't finish a game. They're averaging around 13.8. Fewer points per game without Debo in lineup. Guys, that's two touchdowns. That'll lose you this game. Yes, 100%. You'll, you'll lose the game. But to, I guess to balance that out, uh, and by the way, it's another nice little factoid. Uh, Debo Samuel, when the 49ers get their lead, because they're a front-running formula, right? That's how they win games. We the stat that when the game's within one score possession in the fourth quarter, when they're actually down at a deficit, that you know, Shadow got his first win <laughs> um, as a head coach with the 49ers in that situation when Brock Purdy had the game-winning drive last week because they're a front-running formula. Debo Samuel leads the Niners in targets, receptions, and in yards per rush when the 49ers are leading. He is the key. When they're leading, they give you heavy doses of Debo over and over again, and it just makes that, that offense a whole lot easier to defend when he's down on the field. The flip side of that is if Debo plays, like I said, I think the, even if he's just a decoy or a distraction and they don't necessarily weaponize him, I still think just the gravity that Debo has is going to force the Lions to pay attention to him, bracket him on time to time, leave Brandon Ayuk in man-to-man coverage. What I'm really worried about, though, is the Lions. If you're a Lions fan, because I am a Lions fan, but I'm more of a my man Shano fan, the, the, the Lions' pass defense lately has been terrible, especially against number one wide receivers. Don't forget what CeeDee Lamb did to him. Oh, yeah. 13 for 227. Justin Jefferson, 12 for 192 and 6 for 141. Puka, 9 for 181. Keenan Allen, 11 for 175. Mike Evans, 8 for 147. 
against that defense. And if you don't think that, you know, the, the healthy Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel, if he's healthy, won't be able to light him up, then you're crazy. Since week nine, the Lions are allowing 303 passing yards per game and 8.7 yards per attempt. Crazy. But combine that with the fact that the Lions' offense is just different on grass, as we just talked about. Guys, they've only played one game outside in the past 12 games. One. That's it. And that was against the, the Chicago Bears. They lost. And Jared Goff threw for 161 yards, and they only scored 13 points. They're a different against offense a, a, outside. A not-great Bears team. Yes. <laughs> Who's a division rival, obviously. Who knows? You know, that, that those are always typically closer matchups than the non-division matchups. Uh, but, yeah, that's a great stat. And that's, that's what gives me pause on the Lions of uh, – are they ready to go outside? Now, the weather is going to be nice. That's a fast track when it's nice there in San Francisco or in the Levi Stadium. Uh, so looking forward to that. You're right about Debo. He is – I guess I remember – I think we all watched that game with the Eagles uh, where they got off to a bit of a slow start and then scored, on, scored touchdowns on six straight drives. And that really began the Eagles' spiral because they just punished them. Uh, they had no answer. <laughs> they, they could run it. They could throw it. And they, that's what they do to you. I mean, they just come at you with so much. But you know what? The, the Lions, when healthy, which they are, are kind of San Francisco light. They've got a really good quarterback who's very accurate, especially out of play action. They can run it with Montgomery and get outside with Jameer Gibbs. That's fair. Uh, I mean, we mentioned the numbers yesterday for Amon um, Ross St. Brown. He's over 1,700 yards receiving this year. He's a first-team All-Pro. Uh, Laporta's maybe playing as the best tight end in the league right now, even though he's a rookie. Jamison Williams has come on. They've got Josh Reynolds. I mean, they're, that's a good team. Their offensive line is way underrated. So both of these offenses are dynamic uh, if, if rolling. And I, this is the one that I know that, that keeps being a touchdown line. It just feels like this is, this is a game coming to the fourth quarter. I, I really believe that. But, you know, the Niners don't like playing those kind of games. They like to, they like to wallop you early. They're, they're coming with the Ravens. They're yeah. The Ravens, guys, I said this earlier, the Ravens are, if you go look at close games this year, they're 3-4 and four in those close games. They're 3-4, and four, and the only winning points, winning points they've scored in the fourth quarter this season were in that, that punt return for a touchdown in overtime by, um, oh, man, the Oklahoma State receiver. What's his name? I forget his name. Tylen Wallace. Yes, you're right. It was, it was against the Rams. That was the, that was the only time that they scored winning points in the, in the fourth quarter. They are also a bit of a front-running team. Oh, That's well, how they operate. That's it. That is. Real quick, the reason I have optimism for the Lions, can I play this for you? This is a TikTok video, so it's got some music to it, so it adds to the drama. But here's why the Lions fans believe. Here's why the Lions fans believe and uh, believe their head coach, Dan Campbell, in, in a matchup of Longhorns v. Aggies, Kyle Shanahan versus Dan Campbell. The, this is why Lions fans believe they have a good chance on Sunday. Well, I think it's important, right? You, I mean, you can't. I don't know if it's, you know, it's not the first thing you think of if you go to L.A. or just in general, right? You got the sun, you got the beach, you got plenty of other things going on in here, man. And it's harsh winters, right? Auto industry, blue collar, um, things aren't always easy. Um, and I just think that's, you know, that's what we're about. And that, that was... You know, you want something the city can be proud of. You can look at those guys and say, man, I can back that guy. I can back that team. You know, I can resonate with those group of guys. Um, you know, they're kind of salty. You know, they, they don't quit. They play hard. Um, and so I, I feel like we've done that. And I think these guys, you know, they have a kinship with this city and this area. And they love it, man. And ultimately, that's what you want. There you go. 
They, 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 the grit is their motto, and they, they imbibe that. And I mean, they kind of play like their city is built, just tough, hard nosed. But uh, which, which would tell you they should be fine outside, right? Even though the last time they did play outside, it didn't go great. It says it should be, but yeah, I don't know. But I don't think necessarily that'll be a huge. But the offense is different. I think with what you talk about, but offensively, if they can run the ball on San Fran, they got to stay in the game to do it though. If they, if they, if they start getting blown out. Then they got to abandon the running game and start throwing it more. As you pointed out, the, the, the 49ers have a really good scouting report on Jared Goff because they used to play him a lot. So you don't want the game in his hands. You want this game in the running back's hands. Uh, I, told, I threw this out there earlier. Outside the tackles, the 49ers, 28th in rush defense outside the tackles, 29th in yards before uh, carry or uh, per rush allowed outside the tackles, and they're 24th in 10-plus yard rushes allowed outside the tackles. The Detroit Lions, 5th in rushing yards per game outside the tackles, 4th yards before contact per rush outside the tackles, and 3rd, at least Jameer Gibbs is, in 10-plus yard rushes outside the tackles. He's going to be the key. If that guy can get to the edge and he does better than any other running back in the league, the 49ers allow 6 yards per rush outside the tackles, guys. The problem is teams have to abandon the run against them because they're usually up by double digits and you got to start throwing the football. If they can stay in the game and run the football, control the football, keep that offensive San Francisco off the field, that might be the key. Watch that, running to the edges because that's what Aaron Jones did against the 49ers too. He got to the edge a lot. He did. All right, we'll come back. When we do, Rod will have his uh, second rant of this morning. We'll play some Who Said That for the end of this 9 o'clock hour. Then, of course, that will lead right into the fabulous fifth hour, which will be the 25th hour of our week. Uh, looking forward to it. Roll with us all the way. Also, we'll get back into the Kayshawn Boutte story. He made how many bets while playing at LSU? Oh, wow. my goodness. We'll get to it. It's Hook Him Up with Ian Rod B. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's get into the championship weekend a little bit. I gave these stats earlier, but they're worth uh, reviewing. Uh, let's talk about Patrick Mahomes as the underdog. It doesn't happen a lot, um, and the few times that we've seen it, usually Patrick Mahomes, who's got that dog in him, um, he proves us he all pretty foolish, uh, making him an underdog. Now, Patrick Mahomes, the underdog, um, he has been an underdog now two weeks in a row, which for him is even more rare. All right, because he was an underdog versus the Bills, and now on the road, second playoff game in a row on the road, he's going to be an underdog versus Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in Baltimore. The last time Mahomes was an underdog in consecutive starts, you got to go all the way back to his rookie season, uh, at least when he made his, his, his first two starts, uh, when he was a dog in back-to-back road starts. Only time in his career, his second and third career starts. He won both of those games. And he started his career being listed as an underdog in three straight starts. Prior to last week, he was favored in 101 of 108 total starts. <laughs> Let that sit in for a second. Patrick Mahomes, as a dog, 8-3 and three straight up in his career. As a dog, the best record of any quarterback in the Super Bowl era with a minimum of 10 starts. Uh, the Chiefs open as a three-and-a-half-point dog to the Ravens in the AFC title game. They will probably be on a three-point dog when it's all said and done. Not sure what the line is right now. But the sixth time, uh, only the sixth time that Mahomes is open as a dog of three points or higher and first time since 2020 versus Baltimore, um, he is 5-0 and against the spread in those games. 
So in Mahomes' 11 games as an underdog, he's 11-0 and 0 and uh, in a six-point teaser. <laughs> so it, it, that's a guy that when he's an underdog, usually that's when that dog comes out in him. I wouldn't. I would bet. I'm. I, I'm not a betting man, but I would bet on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to win that game. Um, but I do think it could end up being really close. It could end up being a blowout. The Ravens have blown out really, really good teams. But just giving that info to you, that man Patrick Mahomes usually the, the, being the dog brings out the best in him. Uh, this will be Mahomes' fifth, fifteenth, excuse me, fifteenth game on a road trip. They define road trip as back to back road games all right so back to back or more maybe you got three road games in a row he is 12 and 2 straight up and 7 and 7 against the spread all right in those games he was listed as an underdog in three of those games went 3 and 0 straight up it's every reason that I'm picking against Patrick Mahomes in this matchup he's already defied in his career <laughs> like I'm picking against him because he's going against the number one defense in the NFL. By the way, this this, this Ravens defense could be one of the best defense in the history of the NFL. First defense to lead the NFL in scoring defense, takeaways, and sacks in the Super Bowl era. That's right. 85 Bears didn't do it. 2000 Ravens. 02 Bucks. 2013 Seattle Seahawks. You name a great defense, they did not do what this Ravens defense has done so far this year. Patrick Mahomes versus number one defenses, including the playoffs in his career, three and one. Touchdown interception ratio, nine touchdowns, four interceptions uh, in, against those teams. And that sample size, passing yards per game on average, 339. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And his teams average 32, over 32 points per game in those games. And the Ravens, as I just told you, have the best scoring defense in the league. So something's got to give. Usually it ain't Patrick Mahomes. And picking against Patrick Mahomes is giving me the bubble guts. It's giving me anxiety because it's just not something you do. Even last week, and a lot of people were picking Josh Allen and the Bills, and I said, I'm not picking against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. The, 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 the Chiefs have a better head coach and have a better quarterback. I'll take them in that matchup. I'm not sure they have a better head coach in this matchup because John Harbaugh is really underrated. If they do, it's not by sizable a sizable gap. And, yeah, they have the quarterback advantage, but Lamar Jackson's going to win the MVP this year. So they may have the quarterback advantage, once again, not by a sizable gap. Uh, so if you're thinking about those those matchups, Patrick Mahomes being the underdog, that's the only thing, those stats I gave you, the only reason that I'm a little reluctant to pick the Ravens. But, man, I'm not picking against the Ravens again this season. Speaking of the Ravens and how dominant this team has been, uh, I gave these uh, stats a little bit earlier. And this is something else to keep in mind about the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens and the 85 Bears and the 72 Dolphins, only teams in the Super Bowl era to score 25-plus points per game while leading the NFL in rushing offense and scoring defense. <laughs> uh, and also, they, along with the 07 Patriots, the uh, 2023 Ravens are the only teams in NFL history to outscore uh, their playoff teams they've played by at least 100 points. The only teams to ever do it. So this is a, it's a dominant team. 
But this is the thing also to keep in mind. They play a lot of zone coverage. As a matter of fact, that's what they that's kind of their expertise. They play a ton of zone coverage and they come up with really creative pressure packages in front of those zone coverages, confuse and discombobulate quarterbacks. There is no I would say connection in chemistry between a quarterback and any receiver better than Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. And zone coverage is all about you being able to to link to, to, to link up and feel where the soft spots, determine where the soft spots are in the zone. Mahomes and Kelsey can do that better than anybody else. That they and that's just because they got great chemistry. That is something to watch. And if you force the Ravens to have to go play more man to man defense, then you're getting them out of their comfort zone because what they want to play is pattern match zone, passing off receivers in coverage. And by the time you start to, and that's why they get a lot of interceptions. Because you thought the guy was open, but you basically he was, he was being passed off into another defender's coverage zone. And so they're really good at that and really good at disguising it, which is why they get a lot of takeaways. But they won't be that. I don't think that will be a huge advantage for them versus the Kansas City Chiefs because of the chemistry of Mahomes and Kelsey. That is something to watch. They do have good linebackers, and they have Tra- Kyle, Kyle Hamilton, who I think might be someone who could – Kelsey uh, Stopper. Kelsey Stopper, at least try yeah. to be, because he's such a, a long-rangey athlete and, and such a good player with a high IQ. Because if you can somehow eliminate Kelsey, I mean, you you double your chances of slowing that offense down. No doubt. And that's where Buffalo ended up giving up two touchdowns, but they were down to no linebackers that were healthy. They were banged up in their secondary, too. This is a healthy Ravens team. Let's not because, – because you could argue that last week, remember, they rested their starters in week 17. They had the week off. And when they were 10-10 with the Texans, you know, I was hoping for some rust over rest. And I think there was some rust. They, they you know, got yelled at by Lamar Jackson in half, and they scored mm-hmm. outscored Houston 24 nothing. So I do think this is a team coming in primed, healthy, fresh. All those reasons. I mean, it, it, to pick Baltimore is not to knock Pat Mahomes or the, and the Chiefs. It's to say they're playing on the road, possibly in the rain against a really fresh, really talented, really well-coached football team with a great home field advantage. It's just, I think, too much stacked against the Chiefs right now. Uh, and let's be honest, even against Buffalo and as banged up as they were, they were fortunate to win that game. I mean, they, they, they needed to. Patrick Holmes played really well, though. He did. He played, he played really well. He played really well. Yeah. And I expect him to play really well Sunday. He played really well. But they well. were still fortunate to, to win if, if Josh Allen can engineer a touchdown drive late or Tyler yeah. Bass makes a field goal. Bills were kind of lucky, too, though. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that, that, that fumble go through the end zone. Sure. And then they had a fumble that probably should have been recovered by the, the Chiefs that wasn't recovered. Eh, I don't know if – I think it on both sides. I think yeah, but that fumble through the end zone are things that the Chiefs have done all year. They do that all the time. They make mistakes like that that crush them. Uh, and that's, you know, that's been the story of the Chiefs this year. That's why they're only 11-6 and six in the regular season because they lost games where, you know, guy lines up off sides or guy drops a pass that's in his hands or, um, you know, just, just those things seem to be, you know, a staple of this team. And we're, we're now in the middle of January, so you are what you are. They're mistake-prone on the outside, and they almost made a crucial one yeah. against Buffalo. That's bad versus the Ravens. You're mistake-prone versus the Ravens. You'll be, you will be blown out. Yep. You will get blown out. And if you go back to the first half of that game before Steve Spagnuolo made the, made the adjustments, they were running, you know, just power running against the Chiefs. So you know that's what the Ravens are going to try to do coming out and really bully this team a little bit. I don't know. I just think everything checks to a box on the uh, the Ravens side for me. And um, I, I think, well, this is probably the first of several. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, now that Lamar Jackson is back signed and has the offensive coordinator that he's got, this will be the first of several. And Patrick Mahomes said that this week. This will probably – you know, they haven't played the Ravens in the playoffs in a game, big game like this. I think we'll see more and more of these. You know, because the Bills are going to have to make some changes. The Josh Allen thing and that window seems to have 
You know, they've missed it. Now it seems like it's the Ravens and the Chiefs that are going to be battling on. Maybe even our Texans, Rod, rise up and become part of that conversation Might be. Uh, in the future. The, one thing to keep in mind, though, is also that Patrick Mahomes is probably the most clutch quarterback. Uh, not probably. He is the most clutch quarterback in the NFL. And he is really good in game-winning drive scenarios, fourth-quarter oh, comeback scenarios. If that if that ends up happening, if they're in that situation, the scales, I'm telling you, are going to tip in favor of the Chiefs. The Ravens do not want this to be a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. This year, they're three and four in close games. They got more blown leads, and they have game-winning drives. They don't do well in that situation. I don't know what it is. It's one of their biggest weaknesses. You're right is about that, that. If it is a fourth-quarter game, one-possession game in the fourth quarter, I think then the experience of Patrick Mahomes, the experience of Andy Reid, I think that ends up kicking in. Not that John Harbaugh doesn't have the experience, but we haven't seen Lamar Jackson do it. You're right Especially about that. in the playoffs, we've seen Patrick Mahomes do it all the damn time in the playoffs. Well, you expect Our career, he's been exactly. Well, we, if Tyler Bass had made that field goal, I think everybody in the world fully expected with a minute 47 to go that uh, Patrick Mahomes was going to take his team down and kick a field goal and win that ball game. Mm-hmm. And that's the confidence you have. And you're exactly right. This was the same conversation we had about the Texans last week is, you know, can the Texans get it to the fourth quarter, make it a close game because this is where the Ravens, because, you know, the pressure does swing right over to the Ravens sidelines for Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. uh, for this, the fourth quarter leads they've blown. There's a mental side to that. And the Chiefs embrace that. They love the fourth quarter. They love winning time. Uh, just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick Baltimore here. I think they will win this ball game uh, coming up. It's just, you know, too much in their advantage, too much in their favor. I know they didn't have to travel last week into Buffalo like the Chiefs did. I don't know. I just, and Chiefs, Chiefs played that. Super cold first round game. Like mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, the fresher team wins out. I think that's Baltimore. I yeah, think. I've seen that. That's a good point, though. That, that's they could just be worn out, and they don't have the depth. Baltimore is deeper. Yeah, Baltimore is just deeper home. Yeah, they're just deeper. Uh, and the Ravens, how about this? Also, are playing their fourth consecutive home game. Like, how often does that happen? Deep into you're in the AFC title game now, and they have they haven't played on the road since Christmas Day. Yeah, because they played Miami. San Fran. Remember, they came back from that San Fran game, played Miami, <laughs> Cle- uh, Pittsburgh to wrap it up, and then Houston last week. Yeah, That's right. so very favorable and for them. they've been home. They haven't traveled since Christmas. Christmas Day that, against San Fran. That was the last time they, uh, they traveled, so – that's something to keep in mind. Uh, flipping to the NFC side of things, I, I think the one thing I talked about this that I am worried about as a 49er fan would be the run game of the Detroit Lions. I know it sounds crazy because they got elite weapons in the pass game. Laporta, uh, and they also got, you know, uh, Amandra St. Brown's an all-pro. But I love what you said, E, about the scouting report the 49ers have on Jared Goff. I do think that matters because there's familiarity there. They've seen him before. They know him as a player. Uh, but I think the pass rush – would actually is actually going to be something that can neutralize Jared Goff. He actually isn't great under pressure. The 49ers can apply a lot of pressure. So I think the Detroit Lions are going to try to run the football. They can run to the outside on the 49ers who are, out, who are allowing six yards per rush outside the tackles. That's something to watch. If Jameer Gibbs is getting to the edge on them, and that means they can, as you point out, E, they can go under center, play action pass, deep shots downfield, that's trouble. For the 49ers. And also, watch the 49ers' right tackle. Their left tackle is amazing. He's awesome. Trent Williams, he's the best left tackle in the game. He's only allowed one sack all year. You know how many sacks McKivitz uh, has allowed? 12. Yeah, he struggled okay. last week, too, against Green yeah. Bay. And Aiden Hutchinson, what has he got? Eight sacks in the last four games? Yep. That's something to watch. 100%. Definitely going to line him up over there. Yeah, that's why I say I feel a lot more comfortable about picking the Ravens than I do just don't jumping on the 49ers, especially if Debo is not 100% or not All playing. about Debo. That game swings big time for me. And you're right, that, 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 for the right side of the Niners line struggled late in the year, and they struggled against the Packers last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, has certainly seen that. 
and we'll try to attack it. All right, good stuff with Rod's rant to the second today. Good stuff on these games. You now know more about those games than you did before, without a doubt. Also, Rod, uh, before we get to uh, who said that coming who up. Who said that? Can I mention that? I'm reading up on this uh, Kayshawn Buteau thing. This thing's wild. Yeah, man. Let me just give you some point of facts on this. I mean, this Kayshawn Buteau thing is bonkers, uh, Rod. I mean, he was – a professional gambler is what he was. Well, he, he, professional gambler. Oh, I mean, it's uh, – Just the numbers. <laughs> like, the the amount, of ba- amount of bets you're placing a day, that classifies you as a professional gambler if he's in 20-something bets a day, which is, I think, the range he's in. Yeah, he was 22.5 bets a day. <laughs> so, essentially, he was making it – and he – I mean, he was a professional gambler, but now here's the real the – big, the big rub. He was betting on himself mm-hmm. and making bets on LSU while he was playing for LSU. Yeah. And there was one – how about this? This sounds just like Ty. Uh, who's a degenerate himself, a degen. The, um, he, there was a, there, one of his bets while he was playing. They were playing Florida State, Rod. And it was, the, it was the eighth leg of an eight-leg parlay that he had bet. And he bet on himself to go over 82.5 receiving yards and over a touchdown. And now there's video surfacing of him on the sidelines cursing his team because he's not getting the ball. <laughs> like, the guy, need, get me the ball, Man. which receivers do all the time, but it puts it in a different context and you realize he had bet on himself. <laughs> I cannot believe that. Now, it'd be, that's that better than is. having bet on yourself to do un, to go below that and, like, drop passes and things. Like the Nebraska which, guy? Or was that yeah. Iowa? Iowa. 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 Yeah, the kicker. Yeah, Iowa, no, no, it was the receiver. State. That receiver, uh, that he had the under, and then in garbage time, he, he has, like, a wide open, gets a screen pass, scores, and you can see him, like, he's like, doesn't celebrate with any of his teammates at the end because he realized the over just hit. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, it's, when you think about it, I mean, let's say he's, play, he's placing 20-something, 20 22 bets a day, whatever That's it is. ridiculous. Um, like, that as someone big, that has, eight, like, 8,900 bets. Yeah. So 8,900 no, bets. But, guys, break it down when you think about that. Guys, you got, you're sleeping for eight hours. He's an elite athlete. He's sleeping for six to eight hours a day. So, out of the 16 hours that he's up, he's placing more than a bet per hour Yeah, that oh. he's up. Oh, yeah. Guys, that's either he's addicted to it and or he's a professional gambler. Well, he he made he over five hundred thousand dollars. Is that okay? He made, is, he, is that is that so? What is the verbiage on the five hundred thousand dollars? Is that actually what he made? That's, how, is, much he, that's how much he that's how, how much he earned. But, he, but, but they said the police report said he 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 reinvested most of it back into new. Bets. So he lost it. But he did take over a hundred almost two hundred thousand dollars out of that account. Okay, that's but professional he, gambler status. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't. Uh, he was under his mo- it was under his mom's name. That's how he was able to do it underage. But his his handle he wasn't hiding it, Rod. It was like Kayshawn Buto two was his <laughs> his gambling handle. Wow. <laughs> well, say, the, 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 as I'm saying, the way that, the way the guys are getting caught, it's almost like they're ignorant to the rules, like they don't know that these are the rules and the laws, right? Because he's not even trying to hide it. The guys even in the NFL remember our that's why our take was like they're not trying to hide it. So were they ignorant of the rules and the laws? Because otherwise, you'd think they'd go out of their way to be a little bit more discreet. Yeah. To hide this stuff. Yeah, because you, you, you you, if you go to a third party, you pretty much can hide it. If you just ask somebody to place the bets for you, their app on their phone all the time, all you do is contact them. I need you to place this bet Boy. on the phone. And then you take out the money and give the money to me, but it's all through you. These guys are doing it themselves on their phones with their names on it, their accounts. What the hell is going on? They're failing the idiot test. Big time. You need a cousin. And you can at least <laughs> – you know, not put your name on it. Don't put your name on it, man. <laughs> I mean, at the, the very doing? least, don't make your account name Kayshawn Buto two <laughs> or eight seven, whatever his number was. Yeah, it's like oh, Kayshawn. Yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty clear he was a professional gambler and he wanted to gamble more than even play football. 
He is a member of the New England Patriots now. But, you know, for the NCAA and for college football, the fact that he was betting on himself in games he was playing in, that's going to be a well, real you know problem. you know he's been betting in the league then. Oh, he has to. You know if he was betting so that much is, in college, this is jail you know time, he right? got to the league and started betting. You know he's been betting in the league. The NFL just like, yeah, you know what, we need to start. They probably were already looking into him. Yeah, I don't know what the, the punishments can be because, I mean, the, the charge is betting, betting illegally underage. Underage. Yeah. And at a high level. You're right. I mean, the NFL securities are immediately looking into this. Got to be. To see what's happening with him and the, with the Patriots. Now, <laughs> maybe he got to New England and Bill Belichick and those guys made it real clear what the rules are. And he's like, oh, I probably shouldn't have been doing that back at LSU. That's just fair. It could be. Because yeah. remember who his coach was? Ed Orgeron. Ed Orgeron was kind of a loose cannon. That's it wouldn't be beyond Ed Orgeron to miss a few things and not make it real clear with his players. But uh, that is a wild story. All right, we'll come back. We'll pick up uh, who said that, Rod. Who said that? Including it's Aggie V. Longhorn coming up in the NFC Championship game. Also, some other audio from around the landscape. Let's hit it. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? All right, time for Who Said That before the top of the uh, fabulous fifth hour. We roll into the 10 o'clock hour and wrap up our week, but still a lot to do between now and then, and it's a little Who Said That, Rob? What do you have for me, Who said that? All right, Ty, I sent you a bunch of clips, so you can dial any of them up, and we can play Who Said That? Denied or in the top 32. Wow. Raheem Morris is the best coach I know and ever been around that don't have a head job. And I don't have a problem saying it. I've never had a problem saying it. I've been saying it. Mm. Ooh, who who that? said that? That's a very authoritative voice. You definitely should deal with that. If you don't get this, I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be a little disappointed. Give it to me again. Give it to me again. Yeah, one more time. Let me hear. Let me literally listen. And I know some of the guys being denied are in the top 32. Wow. Raheem Morris is the best coach I know and ever been around that don't have a head job. And I don't have a problem saying it. I've never had a problem saying it. I've been saying it. I know it. I can't think of it. It's not, it's not popping into my head. Tomlin. Okay. And like Tomlin. There okay. you go. Well, you know because I was your coach. He yelled at, used to yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah, it's the same DB, right? I probably worked together after that, but – they worked together. They were in the same DB room with me because Raheem Morris was the quality control coach and Mike Tomlin was my DB coach in Tampa. So they, they got it from the horse's mouth there. Mike Tomlin said he's one of the best damn coaches that, that doesn't have a job. Well, now he's got a job. Well, and people will show his record with the Buccaneers. And, look, that wasn't a very talented team, and he was 32 years old. Um, you know, he's – He's he's gone through it, and then of course he took over for Dan Quinn when Dan Quinn was fired in Atlanta, Atlanta mm-hmm. that year in 2020, and coached the last 11 games, and now he's 47 years old. Uh, interesting, and, and look, he beat out 14 other candidates, and reports are he just blew away the interview. Had to have, and it, you know, if it came down to he and Bill Belichick, with Bill Belichick, you probably were gonna have to dismantle your front office because Bill Belichick wants to report directly to Arthur Blank, and. They have Rich McKay there, and they have, you know, the general manager, Fontenot. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, probably a better fit. And they know him. They're familiar they with the player. That's right. Good point. Or familiar with They've the coach. They've already vetted him. All right, what do you have here, Rod? Who, who said this? This one might uh, get you get you tricked. Let's see. Um, obviously a crazy crowd. I know they weren't very friendly to you, but I just wondered, what has it been like to watch women's sports? They actually were. They were calling me boo. <laughs> <laughs> well, then. <laughs> what is it? All right, there you go. They were calling me boo. Ooh, man. Um, that's not that's not Shakari. 
No, that's, that's, is that that's, Andrew? that's South Carolina head coach Don Staley. Ah, damn it. I decided to go women's basketball. Because her number one Gamecocks went into LSU last night and beat the defending champs in 76-70 in a good game. And, yeah, they were, they were calling her boo. They were calling that boo? Boo thing? Not boo thing. Probably they were just booing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not calling the boo. Booing. There you go. Uh, all right, Ty. Uh, I sent you a bunch of clips. So dial one up. We can play who said that. What is your best Jim Harbaugh story? Before practice and stuff, he would, we would do these work. Like, you would like work out before practice like every coach does. But he'd be in his khakis and his cleats, shirt off, like squatting in our weight room. It's just so funny because you're walking out with your pads and stuff. And you see Harbaugh with his cleats on and his khakis just squatting like 135 for reps and stuff. And you're just like, what in the hell is going on? Yeah, why, why with cleats on? That's dangerous. It might slip out. Yeah. That's him, though. He's just because right after that, he's going to walk right out to practice. He wears cleats to practice? Yeah, every, every day. Oh, yeah, he's different. I always see him throwing the ball, too, like pregame or something. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's, he's very, like, interactive with the quarterbacks. And he has this thing where he, like, slaps the out of them, like, before, like, they play and stuff, like, pounding their chest. Like, one of the most interesting dudes I've ever, like, been around in my life. Crazy. He is. He is. He's, he's almost to the level oh, of, like, man. Mike Leach quirky in his yes. quirkiness. Yes, he is. Yes, remember, he when he, is. remember when he w- was on a recruiting trip and spent the night at the kid's house? He's <laughs> a kicker, too. He was a kicker. He's a kicker. That's a great point. Yeah, man. I, cause I like him. I enjoy him. If you, if you, you know who else more than Justin Herbert who's excited about Jim Harbaugh coming to town? The media. They're like, thank you. So many headlines, so many quotes. I mean, he's going to give you just headline after headline, news story after news story. It's just sad that, that he's going to a, like a, a team that really doesn't have a fan base. Well, that's what Besides they're trying to build. Besides that one lady there. that was that's planted this year. That's what they're trying to build, year. right? That's, that's true. They're trying to build that, obviously. And this is, as I've said, this is the first time they've really gone after it when it comes to head coach. I mean, they've been going with the Anthony Lins, Mike McCoys, you know, Brandon Staley, and that does nothing for a fan base. They don't know who it is, and – they haven't worked. They're going with like milk toast hires. Well, this is a big time hire. This will get you on the front page of the LA Times. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, steal some headlines yeah. in that town. Better. And I'm sure they're, you know, it's provocative out there. So I'm going to be writing the story about you hired a cheater, right? You hired a guy that's running away from the NCAA. Well, right here, a guy who's not afraid of like making it, making a rival, like creating another. Remember what he did to uh, who's that? The Jim Schwartz? Yeah. <laughs> at halftime. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was great. Remember how much he and Pete Carroll hated each other all the way back to their USC oh, yeah. Stanford days. That was a long-standing rivalry. That was a serious rivalry. Yeah, it's good. Uh, that was Aiden Hutchinson, by the way. That was on there. Aiden that was Aiden. All right. Yeah. So he knows Jim Harbaugh really well. <laughs> Weirdest guy I've ever been around. I love it. You hear that over and over again, though. Khaki, and the khakis it. are famous. Remember when he was coaching the Niners and the pleated khakis were became a big deal. Oh, he'll have a khaki like in State Farm should get him. Bring bring the uh, bring the other Jake back. Remember him? You're right about that. Uh, what are you wearing? Uh, what are you wearing? Khakis. Khakis. Yeah, Jake, and, Jake and John, I like it. Well, I mentioned he put a picture <laughs> out after he took the Chargers job with his wife at a steakhouse, and he was at a big steak and big glass of milk. Big glass of milk oh. with his tomahawk. <laughs> that dude is weird, man. That dude is eccentric. He's got money. He's eccentric. Not weird. Eccentric. And it seems like his brother John is much more normal. But, you know, that's what brothers do sometimes. All right, we'll be back. Hook him up with Ian Rodby.